You're listening to the Authentic Chaos Podcast, an exploration into our inner selves and journeys of self-discovery. I'm your host, Bahagan Yarnosian, and today I'm joined by a guest, Simit Sarab. Hey, folks. Um, thank you, Agan, for inviting me to your podcast. I've listened to a few of them, and it's very deep, and it's very introspective, so I'm very happy and glad that I can be part of this. So today we have a topic on Simit's philosophy, but before we get into that, I want to you know, get a little idea of what, how you've been lately. So what excites you these days? Yeah, lately I've been focused on improving my health, taking care of myself. So I've been exploring food, the history of food, how food gets processed and how does it affect a human body and what, what do humans do about food and how does society and industries and these brands have basically shaped our whole life about food, taste. So I've been lately excited about the science and history of food. Oh, that's, that's super cool. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but I, I did post an episode about food and like how, my own view of food. Um, so uh, I guess before we go on to the topic we originally had, I'd like to understand a little bit more about like what, what have you learned about like from the history of food and how food is processed? Like have you, made, have you like figured anything out that like kind of made food, made your view of food, food change in any way? Yeah, it's a fascinating story. Food is a central part of like humans as because it's a fuel to yeah. for you to live and function. Yeah. And during the course of history and starting all the way from human evolution, food has been shaped a lot. So as a early human ancestors, like food were mostly what you get out in the nature. Right. Like, when you're a hunter-gatherer, you can only get like nuts and fruits. And, yeah, or animals. Like there's no processing. Right. But like even the animals, like meat was such a rarity because you had to go hunt something and you could get killed if you hunted something. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like it's such a rarity that our gut biome never didn't really like evolve to process lots of meat mm -hmm. like we do in our modern society. And and what and. One other thing to it is that hunting and gathering required your effort. Mm -hmm. So f you have to earn your food in all these like past, like when there was hunters and gatherers. But now it's more about you get everything what you have in front of you. You don't have to work towards it. So people are getting very, um, very lazy about like, okay, I already have access to all these foods. I don't have to run. I, ha I don't have yeah. to hunt or gather. So the relationship with the food has really changed over the years. And, uh, and the one thing I talked about is the processing, like early humans used to eat like raw food without any processing. Um, there was slight processing in terms of cooking or like uh, doing some kind of uh, marination and all. But over time, it has taken a whole new phase where like these all brands came in and they basically define the actual product so for example how how is sugar made sugar is made from sugarcane sugarcane mm -hmm. is a is a plant in itself and now it's it's like processed three times four times and now it's like a white sugar which has all its nutrients flushed off of it yeah. and it's like 
totally like a garbage food which people still love to eat and in, in the u.s like we don't even use like sugar cane in most of our products that have sugar in it like we've like we figured out how to use like corn and extract the fructose from corn and create like high fructose corn syrup which has like zero nutritional value um and that it's fascinating because okay so would you would you say that agriculture is like not earning your food like farming because that was a big thing in human history too and is a big part of our society i think agriculture in itself is doing what it should be doing but the middlemen i mean the people who are between the agriculture and us have increased a lot and like their influence on the society on making profits like the whole movement from agriculture to capitalism where like people wants to make more money take more profit or share of all this economy so they have tried to get a whole share of all these agriculture produce yeah and then provide it to the end consumers in a way so that they get all those consumers so like make adding flavors or processing it in a way that it it, it tastes good or they are get addicted to it yeah. So all these things basically changes the whole relationship with the food and it's it's kind of like not healthy in in the long run. No, I totally agree. Um and I'm glad that you brought up capitalism because I think that's like an underlying reason why like our food especially in the west has like very little nutritional quality is heavily processed because the incentive isn't to make the population healthier, the incentive is to make profits for the capitalists. So they're going to be cutting corners as much as they can. They're going to be using less of the real ingredients because those are expensive and they're going to be synthesizing ingredients. They're going to be using more mm -hmm. chemicals and things like that. And like adding in the flavors that like that, like trigger our dopamine receptors mm -hmm. and like make us want to eat it, but that don't actually give us any of the nutrients. Um, and I think that's a big problem. And uh, both in terms of the health of society, but also um, you mentioned that people are getting lazy toward food. I think it's that not that people are getting lazy, but that people aren't respecting food. Like we're not respecting where food came from or like what food is. Like you see a packet of beef, like ground beef at a grocery store wrapped in plastic. It doesn't look anything like the animal that it came from. You have no idea where it came from. Most Americans like don't know where their meat comes from. Like I talked to people who like when they see raw meat kind of get freaked out because mm -hmm. it's the idea that like oh this is tied to an animal like mm -hmm. uh and yeah i think that it's intentional to remove that separation because if you do respect where the food came from you don't really want to overindulge and mm -hmm. like do like eat more than you need to or eat uh like you'll think more about your food and where it comes from and then maybe you'll think more about the impact it has on your body and that i think that's just a good thing for the health of society but also like um more sustainable for us like in terms of like eating not like overproducing foods that are like damaging the environment like beef is a huge industry in the mm -hmm. west and is a huge consumer of water fresh water yeah and it's a big producer of um of like greenhouse gases and it's a big destroyer of rainforests like the amazon rainforest like over the past decade has been like systematically burned down to create more ranches. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so, yeah, it's not sustainable the way that we're going. But um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like knowing about the sources of food will 
will like motivate you to like respect and see like okay i mean it took like this much effort to like just create like a plate of our food like it take it took like 3000 gallons of water just to have this this steak i'm eating so yeah. when people try to visualize these things they kind of understand that okay yeah like i should not waste food because today like the, the main problem is like i think one third of the entire food is getting wasted and uh, oh i i believe it like i i used to i once researched like uh food waste because mm-hmm. uh, before the pandemic i was looking into starting like a food waste uh, reduction company like trying to help restaurants reduce food waste and it's like um in the us alone it's like several tens of billions of dollars a year of food is wait it's like wasted from just restaurants yeah and like just magnify that for like grocery stores and like there's this overconsumption in the west and overproduction and yeah. it's like those resources aren't for free and the the waste isn't just going nowhere like mm-hmm. that's going into a landfill where like it's going to the ocean it's yeah yep yeah it's super fascinating um i've done a lot of thinking about food uh, and uh listeners of this podcast may remember that too but uh i've done a lot of thinking about like um what food means for people like like food is a story of cultures of how like people have evolved and like what was available and what wasn't and like like the reason that why is butter so delicious and why is meat so delicious and i think it's like evolutionary that we our brains were so used to having such scarcity in terms of getting animal fats like when we were hunter gatherers we were hunter gatherers long before we were human uh, long before we had like agriculture and like society, these societies and evolution is a very slow process mm-hmm. so um we had this huge incentive to get meat but it was rare and so like it was a big treat now we can get it all the time and we love foods that have butter and meat in it cuz these animal fats are like these complex fats that have like all that hit all of our flavor receptors in just the right ways mm-hmm. um but it doesn't mean that we but now that it's constantly available doesn't mean that we should always be be eating it is uh, that overindulgence that is problematic yeah that's that's what i i feel like um, being mindful about all these things is super important where you very first understand the landscape like you get aware about all these things mm-hmm. because unless you be take a step back and think about what you are eating or how these foods are coming you won't be able to realize that okay whether i'm i'm overeating whether i'm eating good food or bad food like what is it going to do with my health like 10 years down the line mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's it's super important to take a step back think about all these things and and as we are talking about this hopefully your viewers your listeners would be aware about what they are eating yeah um but maybe it'll help to give like maybe some concrete examples like how how like how do you try to be more mindful of your food that's a good question i have been lately tracking my calorie intake which is um which is the number one important point if you are like either looking to maintain your weight lose weight or gain weight so calorie is basically like the energy so energy you would be burning to do all these activities so if if i'm eating something i'm counting how much calorie i'm eating and 
if I'm burning out, like if I'm walking out or like doing exercises, I count how much calories I'm burning. And at the end of the day, it has to either balance. I'm right now losing weight. So I will be saying I need to be in calorie deficit. So a way to do it is like whatever you eat, go about like tracking it. There are many food apps where you can track these food and how much you eat and they give you a measure of like how much calorie it is. And apart from that, the three macros, nutrients like protein, carbs and fats, these are super important and you need to see where you are if you want to retain muscles, have a high protein diet, if you want to lose fat, have less carbs and more fat. Like it, There's a misnomer that people should not eat fat to lose fat, but actually you should eat fat and less of carbs in order to lose fat because it has a lot of thermic effect. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the anti-fat like propaganda was spread by like the sugar industry to like yeah. get people to eat more sugars because they were like, oh, this is a low fat option. Oh, yeah. There are lots of propagandas like in, in the, the corporate world. Yeah. So you need to be very aware of that. Um, and I, I will say that while, yes, if it, I think it depends on what your goal around food is. I think that our like American culture especially has a big problem of treating foods like numbers. Like, like you said, like breaking it down into macronutrients, breaking it down into calories. I think that takes a lot of the soul away from food. And like, I've like, when you travel or like you see all these cultures where people are eating like fresh foods, they're eating lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, like, um, very light oils, like maybe lights, uh, light on sugar, but like they're eating, you're eating a lot still. But like you're active, you're like walking a little bit, but like may, not many people are really counting their calories as explicitly as we are now. We didn't need food app, like food counter apps to like survive as a society. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so I think uh, I would I would say that you don't have to like be counting calories to really be mindful about food. I think just like having this awareness of what you're putting into your body and sticking to like some general rules like hey eat more fruits and vegetables like mm -hmm. if you split everything into like carbs uh carbohydrates proteins and fats then it takes a lot of like you're not talking about any of the nutrients in food you're not talking about like where that food came from how it was grown like a tomato grown in like a hot house versus a tomato grown in the in soil and like the sun is like, they're very different. They taste very different. They'll have different nutrient compositions. Like mm -hmm. even an egg, an egg from a chicken in like in a coop that it's like, ha doesn't have any space to move versus a chicken that has like free range to move and has like a more balanced diet that matters too. Um, so I think it's like, it's a bit more, uh, it's a bit more complicated and you don't have to like necessarily be counting calories to be more mindful about food. It's just I mean, like yeah, being that's, intentional. That I totally agree. Like the, all of this are like how you, what are your goals are? I'm a little bit further in my goal where I'm like actually tracking my body weight and like working towards it. So, but obviously when I started, I was more mindful about what I eat in general. Uh, uh, like that means like what I'm eating, is it processed? Is it non-processed? Is it mm -hmm. coming directly from the nature or how many levels of processing has happened between nature and to my plate. So yeah. that's the first thing I literally worked on. So I would, yeah, as you said, that being mindful about that piece. Uh, for example, you go out, uh, you see all these sweet foods or like uh, chips and uh, pastries and uh, croissant and everything on, in, the, in the grocery store. Like 
when i looked in look into it i just try to be mindful about okay how many changes has happened like let's say you are making even um, croissant like you you are like having you need to have flour flour mm-hmm. comes from uh, from wheat we and it is a refined wheat so even before wheat um, it was hashed uh, mm-hmm. the good the good nutrients were removed and now it's a white flour and then in white flour you are adding all these preservatives so it's like multi layers of processing happened from that whole wheat which came from the ground so it's it's like uh, you are stripping a lot of nutrients and also adding a lot of preservatives which are not good for you so just being mindful about these thoughts and like moving more towards non processed food would actually help you take care of like what you eat okay so let, like like let's use the example of flour and i agree that like you yeah flour is a very complex process to get it from that wheat to what we end up seeing at the grocery store um a lot of us don't have access to the wheat and or the mills to like mill it ourselves and make our own flour um so when you're buying flour what do you look for to be honest i don't buy flour uh, but in, in case like i go for like whole wheat like mm-hmm. whole grain stuff um i basically look for like whether it's organic how much preservatives it has and yeah. if it um it like if it came from a farm like um what was the locality of the farm so those things matter a lot like how they grew up um i think with the flowers and all it's it's not that complicated it it gets complicated with other more processed food like meat and all but with flour yeah. you just have to be careful about whether it comes from organic sources and Uh, yeah, and I think whether or not like it's bleached, like in the US we bleach a lot of our flour yeah. and I think that gets a lot of the nutrients out. And um also I think stuff like that results in like some of the gluten intolerance we're seeing in the US cuz mm-hmm. like if you go to like Europe, they eat tons of bread, but yeah. they don't see any gluten intolerance because they've processed their flour differently. They don't process it as much. It might have to do with the bleaching. I'm not entirely certain, but so um I do a lot of my own cooking and for anyone listening I highly recommend that if you want to eat healthier it starts in the kitchen. Like just try cooking some things. Um even if you're using wrong ingredients that you're getting from a grocery store, the process of putting it together that final step of cooking is so important because if you go to a restaurant the reason restaurant food is so good is they're using lots of salt and lots of fats. Mhm. And that's like a great way to make our brains think oh this is delicious but it's not healthy. um whereas in the kitchen you have control over everything you have to be mindful about like everything you put into it you know everything you're putting into it and the more you learn techniques and the more you learn about how to layer flavor and like uh how much fat to add or when to add fat mm-hmm. uh can make a huge difference um like when you're making a soup for instance um you can add salt in any part of the process so like when you're even when you're like cooking down your aromatics like your celery and and onions if you add a little bit of salt to that it goes a long way and then your soup tastes delicious even if you don't add any more salt to it because it's been like incorporated in the whole process versus if you wait till the end of your process of making soup to add the salt you have mm-hmm. to start adding a lot of salt because it takes time because it, and it's like some chemistry where the salt takes time to dissolve 
Mm-hmm. And if you dissolve it early on in the process, when you're like cooking down your aromatics, the water from those vegetables is going to dissolve your in your salt in the higher temperature. And then it's you've already got this salty mixture that then propagates through the process. Versus if you put it into a giant batch of water, mm-hmm. um, you need to add a lot of salt to even taste it initially. And then you like add over like way too much salt. And then like, then that, that's not great for you either. So like I, I definitely recommend like uh, learning some of the science behind cooking, like just and just trying some basic things out yourself. Uh, I think that's a great first step for being. But mindful. do you think like this is too much work for someone who is very new to the thing? Yeah, maybe maybe that's too much. But you know, we all start somewhere. Like my cooking journey started with like heating up sandwiches in on my pan right like it's no it like no one is starting off at a michelin level (laughs) like um even like oh if you're gonna if you want to have mac and cheese or something instead of like buying like the processed velveeta cheese Mm. grab some like chunks of cheese from a grocery store maybe if you've got like a nice cheese counter like go grab some cheese from there Mm -hmm. um if you want to like if you want to have a hamburger like cook it yourself like buy the ground meat, like buy the organic ground meat if you want the grass-fed stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, throw it on the grill. Like just try out different things. Like humans have been cooking for a long, long time, mm-hmm. long time. So it's, it's in our genes. Like yeah, yeah, we, yeah, just we, forgot it. we know how to cook. <laughs> I, you know how to cook, dear listener, and I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea is like just getting into the habit. That's the yeah. first step. Like people just think about. It's too much work. Mm-hmm. Like I won't be able to be like someone who is super healthy like it. But the idea is just to give it a start. Like once you start doing it, once you feel good about it, you'll be automatically being motivated to like, oh, now I have to add salt later rather than early in the process. Like mm-hmm. you'll experiment and learn more. So yeah, and it's important. it's kind of exciting. You get to make something. You you taste it a little bit as you go, and you're like, oh, that's really good. What if I add this? And like, oh, that's not as good. I won't add that next time. Like, there's a lot of trial and error, but that's how like all these recipes started off mm-hmm. as. Like, we we hear we, the recipes we see are probably not the recipes. Like, they probably went through like hundreds of versions of the recipes before they got to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. people that like started making breads and stuff. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of trial and error, things that like didn't work. Yeah, I was actually looking into this video on Curiosity Stream. Yeah. Like, there are like food um, flavor scientists who actually like mix flavors and like create new products. And then they put it out in the market and then they have these all trials and errors testing before like they launch the product. So they are like Mm. 21 different varieties. For example, let's say you are launching a new chips brand and uh, they do like 21 batches or samples of that same chip with different levels of flavor. Yeah. And, uh, and then they test it out in the market. And then after finding the right balance, they, they, they launch it. So it's like, it's trial and error all across the industry. So it's not just. Oh, new. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, because taste is so subjective. Yes. After a point, um, even. Yeah. Even like if you just treat it on a chemical level, like people have to people have to like it <laughs> um, and different things will affect people differently. Like there are people that I've recently learned about super tasters. Hmm. So there are people that like can taste things very very they have very sensitive palates 
and it's sensitive to a to like a fault sometimes where like they can't handle like sour or bitter flavors so much or like spiciness uh, but like they find a lot of flavor in like what i would consider bland like um like even just like just some salt and pepper like they find that like spicy Mm -hmm. um and it has to do with like the amount of like uh taste receptors on your tongue and the density of it and like that changes based on what your diet is so like like i grew up on a lot of spicy food and a lot of food with a lot of flavors so like uh if i eat like a like a uh, beans on toast or something i don't know (laughs) some uh, or like a, a schnitzel i'm like meh it's fine but like i don't really get excited about it but like there are plenty of people who do get excited about it and it's not that my it's just that we have different uh histories of foods and flavors that we have available to us so they're Mm -hmm. they've got to eat so their their brain their bodies have like formed or have like developed in a way to appreciate the flavors that they have available to them yeah yeah i was i was listening to this like uh like the history about like the how different animals have different numbers of taste buds like humans have like around 10,000 dogs have like more than that 20,000 or something oh. so it's it's like uh, every animal has certain number of taste buds but there are only like five tastes which are like the universal like sweet sour salty uh, um, there's one umami, umami. yeah and bitter so, right bitter <laughs> yeah so, and everyone is conditioned like as you said like we have have different relationships with food we have been brought up with different cultures so as you grow up your taste buds evolve and and your brain gets to like your brain gets trained for to react in a certain way to certain food so it's mm-hmm. it's it's very important where you try to be mindful and change the relationship with the food by thinking okay yeah this can be trained if i keep eating so if i if i give you an example like this was a epiphany for me yesterday okay in the sense i love epiphanies i've been eating like food uh very clean food and no sugar uh for what 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 is clean food by clean again non-processed like how much less processing it has uh well i guess but like less processing that's a a very there's a big spectrum, right? Did you like grow the, did you grow the, the fruits and vegetables yourself? I wish, I wish I have a big garden over in this downtown Seattle. Yeah, right. Unfortunately not. So what I, I, I just get my groceries, like just broccolis or something yeah. like uh, oats or without anything like uh, plain chicken, chicken breasts and all these things. So just that and I just boil it or I just uh, like bake it and that's it. So that's the only cooking I do. So, you boil, so you like boil your chicken? Boil my chicken or boil my broccoli and that's it. I just add salt, pepper and some turmeric and all these things. Okay. So, so that's, that's the only cooking I do there. So that way, uh, I've been eating this kind of food palette for past month. And my pal- like taste buds have literally adapted to it. Mm-hmm. So when I try to like uh, eat some the similar food, I feel very sweet. Like mm. I, I even after eating, uh, so there's this, the bread, which is like without any sugar. So when I eat that bread, I, I felt like so much, so much better yesterday when, oh, I, really? when I just have a taste of it yeah. because it tasted me sweet. If it was like a couple of months back when I was not doing this whole uh, diet thing, I would have not appreciated the bread, like the sweetness of the carbohydrate, but 
uh, after going through this whole change of palate when i tasted the bread it tasted me something like uh, maybe an ice cream really it was that sweet it was that sweet wow. so that's why i'm saying like you can always be mindful and uh, of the food you eat and you can train your brain you can train your body to appreciate the food given time yeah no i i totally believe it um i mean you hear about like monks and stuff who like they just eat like very simple meals mm-hmm. it's about like appreciating the like the flavors within the me- the food themselves um and i think a bit, uh, like so i think that's a part of it that's like the technical side of like appreciating your food and appreciating the flavors but i think there's also a mindfulness side to it um and i talked about this on my food episode a bit but there was there's this buddhist teaching that like really like resonates with me um and the buddha was telling a their his students um some people when they eat an orange don't eat the orange they eat their sorrows mm. um and the point the idea is that when like the things that are going on in our mind the things that are occupying our our headspace like all the flavors are in our, are like in our mind right that like gets translated in our mind and if you're like preoccupied with if you're not like focused on what you're doing you're eating and not aware of what you're eating then it's easy to get distracted and then like it doesn't taste like anything it doesn't you don't remember it mm. um it's like you know like i'm guilty of this i'll like watch netflix while i'm eating right <laughs> but like sometimes when i do that i don't remember like necessarily what i ate or how much i ate um or even what it tasted like mm. versus uh i have very distinct memories of certain meals that i've had like m- meals that um i was very present in i have very strong emotions too um like i remember family meals growing up where we just had a whole table full of different like armenian foods and like mm-hmm. grilled meats and grilled vegetables and salads and like i can remember like what the grilled eggplant tasted like and the spiciness of the peppers and like the savoriness uh, and charcoal on the meat mm-hmm. um and like the conversation we were having like probably talking about politics or like whatever <laughs> mm. um just being when you remove these distractions you get to really when you remove the distractions of like our lives and like the things that we think are important to worry about we can focus on the beauty of what's in front of us mm-hmm. yeah that's totally true like i remember my childhood where we were like like even though we had food in front of our table we always sit uh, such that there is a tv or some kind of entertainment in front of us yeah. while eating oh, yeah. today it's Same. netflix but we had something else that back day so when we were eating we were just being enjoying the 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 entertainment source that was and not enjoying the food so that kind of like not helped us to build a relationship with food so that's where i think you said that and it's a very funny thing like when you eat oranges you eat your sorrows so it's, yeah. it's basically a way to say that you are not eating your food you are just keep thinking about other things and you are using food as a way to compensate for other messes in your life so mm-hmm. that's 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 one reason of why people overeat or undereat or like they're not sure like if they are eating the correct amount because they're not eating their food they're eating other things yeah just like it's our relationship with food is similar with our relationships with other people like 
uh, with partners, if you're not present in the relationship, you're going to miss things. Mm. You're going to like, things are going to deteriorate and it's not going to, the relationship will may falter. And that same really, that's similarly applies with food too. Like if you don't give that relationship the respect it deserves, it'll similarly falter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a very good correlation. Like relationship with the partner is similar as like, yeah, how yeah. You make, like if you give it, if you give the due attention, it will give you the, like the benefit and the happiness in life. Yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot about like relationships in more of an abstract sense instead of like the romantic, like romantic relationships, which is what is commonly thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we, I, I view like a relationship as like the thing between us, our ourselves and like any object, like mm-hmm. my, this cup in front of me, food, you, uh, a loved one, like these are all different relationships and they each take different forms. And I think it's important to be aware of those and like be mindful of those forms, but also uh, boundaries are important in every single relationship. Oh yeah. Like you don't want, uh, you don't want food to occupy your life so much that maybe you're like abusing it. You don't want mm-hmm. your, just like you don't want to be in like an abusive relationship and you don't want work to take up so much of your life that like you're constantly working and never like spending time with your loved ones. So mm. like every relationship needs boundaries. Mm. Even the good ones need boundaries. And I think I think that's where we kind of screw up. Uh, we because the good ones feel great and you never want you want to just do com- everything with it. And you want that to be your a big relationship because it's like this mm. feels amazing. But it needs boundaries, too, because if it grows too big. It can become too unruly. That's 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 like very deep relationship <laughs> between like food and like uh, romantic. Like, and I really can see that connection. Like, like you have toxic relationship uh, with a person. You can have the same with the food. Like, you can have like bad food in your in your in your life, and that mm-hmm. can ruin your life. Or you can have the best food. Like, who you build a good relationship with over time, and it takes patience. Like, as with a good person or a good you need to give it the due importance. Even if yeah. there is like bad things, you have to stick stick to that food so that you keep doing and keep growing. So it's it, it's fascinating. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And um, so, yeah, like bad food is a good example. But I think on the, on the other side, like um, when you're explicitly just using food as like numbers and like I need to hit my nutrient goals or I need to hit like... I just need these calories. And when you, when you do that, I think that's another example of like de- deteriorating relationship with food. Mm. Cause like in the calorie case, like that's just a number. If you're, if you don't care where you're getting those calories from, mm-hmm. you're putting potentially putting in things into your body that like, maybe you, maybe it's not that great for you. Like what you put into your body is just as important as what goes out of your body and the energy mm-hmm. and the vibe you put out in the world and like things like that. So if you put in good things, you will get better, good things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. Like uh, the type of food, the type of people you invite in your life is very important than how many of that people or how many of that food is in your life. Yeah, yeah. And even that reminds me of like uh, alcohols and other other stimulants which mm. people use, which is like another another way to 
to basically stimulate like what you take in in your body like i talked about like these three macronutrients but alcohol is another macronutrient and people take it um, that may help them feel good but they don't see the like the other things that goes around with like they may let it may let them into over consuming other food because of the alcohol and like yeah. your body is not going to process that food because your liver is basically into the mode of processing the alcohol so yeah. just knowing about these things like um, how how your body functions in relationship to these food will make you more mindful about okay yeah if i drink alcohol like i have to spend like my next entire day to break that alcohol in my body and have to drink like x amount of water to facilitate that so these things help you to decide whether i should take alcohol or not yeah that's a i i hadn't really thought about it on the nutrient aspect um i have like so i think about alcohol on like the um like the more like liver like issues like alcohol alcohol is a poison and uh, i really started thinking about this cuz like a couple years ago i had a uh, i had like some elevated liver enzyme issues so i was maybe drinking i was probably drinking more than i should have at the time and it really got me thinking about like what is my relationship with alcohol cuz mm-hmm. it is it is a poison it it does put stress on your body like it it puts stresses put stress on your mind um it's it's fun and like I'm not saying don't have fun but the key the key is moderation mm. it's a relationship just like any other that should be respected um and I've been like I've been reading a lot about mindfulness the boundaries you talk like you need to have boundary with alcohol mm. like one drink is okay but not like four or five in the same setting yeah um and when you're when you're more mindful about alcohol when you like really think about it and like really are aware of like what it's doing and how you're feeling I found like for me I when I go out drinking with friends I don't really I generally don't drink that much like last night I had one beer um maybe I smoked a little weed too and that's another relationship that like maybe I could do better on with like respecting boundaries with but with alcohol I I'm doing a lot better at being aware of like how it affects me the mental state I'm in and then being like you know what I don't really need it and if you there there are some mindfulness teachings where i haven't gotten to this level yet but um when you are aware enough of yourself and your vibe and your energy you can get the effects that you are looking for from alcohol from just kind of existing and you can always be in that state of mind without needing to consume like the more mindful you are about the effect that these substances have on your body the less you realize you need them mm-hmm. because you can replicate that same thing alcohol is not doing not adding like a special brain chemical to be like happiness um in fact i think it's wrong to assume that alcohol is um making our problems go away people that use alcohol for like avoiding their sorrows mm-hmm. that never works because all these drugs just amplify whatever you bring into the experience with you and you can also uh, also understand the history again like first like how how it affects you in your life and also looking into the history of anything like food um, will tell you the history of like okay like is this going in the correct direction for example alcohol like alcohol was something which was used to actually numb pain in hospitals and mm-hmm. like for the patients 
but if it eventually made its way into your into your play into your uh, room or into uh, into your food habits because people started like breaking those boundaries so instead of just using it to actually like treat people or numb pain they actually took it as a way to to please themselves or like okay i i think okay so what time per- period are you talking about i think it it's it's way back like early i don't remember the eras but uh probably i don't know 1200 or 1400 something okay. like that okay so if you look way further than that like why did people even like why did people even drink this stuff right like people have been making wine for 6000 years Mm-hmm. they didn't do it for like they didn't do it for like numbing pain they like a lot of it was part of rituals like it felt good like the romans were like really like excellent degenerates like they were drinking all the time they're partying they're having a great time so i think the our relationship with alcohol especially has is very complicated and uh has a lot of history in rituals but also entertainment and sacrifice but and like also but then like medicine and like the role of religion in how we view alcohol like has changed changed how alcohol was viewed so like maybe at some point it was like used more as an antiseptic but like mm-hmm. and then we had prohibition here in the US but like people have been wanting to get fucked up for a while <laughs> and yeah. that's probably not going to change and i'm not saying never drink again but it's just be aware of it and when you're aware of it you probably don't need to drink as much mhm yeah again the relationship again like what's your boundary with that alcohol like yeah. how much how much you can tolerate and how much you can be happy with uh, instead of just overindulging in something yeah yeah it's all about the relationships and boundaries and yeah i think the mindfulness helps out a lot yeah Um okay have you noticed any so back to like the food conversation have you noticed any um influences from your culture on how you view food Mm that's a good question I I would say yes definitely like even today like when I have moved to US I I come from India and uh, the the things which I've been taught when I was growing up like turmeric or these spices which which makes like which has its own flavor to it my taste buds is still like trained to appreciate those flavors yeah. so whenever i make my food i try to just snuggle in some or the other spices into 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 my food even though it's it's not being prescribed over here i don't see people <laughs> using it so i would say a lot i have been influenced a lot by my culture and the traditions in there but i've again i've also been very um mindful and like very selective about what things are good and what things are bad so for example spices are good like they they mm-hmm. start they increases your thermic effect the food has more thermic effect and it increases the metabolism so when i yeah, know and about by spices these, you mean like spiciness like the capsaicin or do you mean like spices like even the the more mild spices it depends like i i would say all types of spices mm-hmm. um like from turmeric to garam masala to cardamom and all these so these foods don't have like inherently uh, a lot of calories and no calories basically but they have like lots of thermic effect to it so they can increase your metabolism if you add to the food so when i know that i know mm-hmm. that okay i can have it safely like it's it's not bad for my health but there are other pieces where like uh, in my culture people used to eat a lot of 
fatty food like very mm. oily food they have like lots of oil as their base and uh, that that is something which i grew up with but now being more mindful about it i realize that's not healthy for me so i try to like not include it in my in my diet routines yeah. these days so i would say yes uh, i am very very much particular about what comes from my culture food wise and uh, yeah i i think what about you um yeah i think it's my view of food is very like directly tied to my culture like um cuz i think a lot about like how like people would like how recipes developed and like why we eat the foods that we do um like we've got this uh like it, india and armenia share a lot of similar like foods and and like a lot of like a little bit of the same similar language cuz we both take from sanskrit mm. um and so we have like you have the tandoor right we have yes. the tonir it's the same idea it's like a it's an oven in the ground it's mm-hmm. um a clay oven and like you know it's it's very easy very very easy oven to kind of make to make it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years um and so because of that that has that has affected a lot of our cuisine like uh like we do a lot of grilling and a lot of flatbreads mm-hmm. are, are very flatbreads are very um common in armenia where you just like you make your dough roll it out slap it on the side of the oven and then pull it out um and then like things to go with it so like herbs like a lot of like herbs that are found in the area like red basil and like um and mm-hmm. thyme and things like that um and so you know through that and through like how I was raised and like just having plates uh, like tables full of dishes and like everyone gets an empty plate and you just share food and you have to pass food around and like mm-hmm. you try different combinations of all the foods together and see how they all work um i think that has really given me a lot of um respect for food and um and even yeah. i used to see like all these spices when i'm in, in my culture like spices are a very important part of the food so we have like grown spices and we have uh, like actually processed spices at home so in here you go to the grocery stores and then you just see like ground turmeric ground cardamom right. everything is ground everything is prepared but when you see it actually on the plants on the leaves you can literally see the beauty of all these spices like and it tastes more pun- it yeah is. it tastes more pungent more aromatic the aroma mm-hmm. everything goes away when it gets processed over oh, over yeah. the time but when you just see it in front of your eyes and like pick it up hold it up from the plants and then just try to mix and mash by yourself the aroma is like amazing so Yeah, like even in the turmeric example, I'm sure like how I know turmeric is very different from how you know turmeric. Like because I'm used to the ground turmeric and it like is kind of flavorless. Yes, it's it's when I have the same turmeric, I just smell it. I I, I don't feel anything. I just feel the I yeah. just see the color in the food, but yeah, to be it. honest, it's it, not the same as what I used to eat when growing up. Yeah. And yeah, like and I think that's a great example of the just because it's the same thing doesn't mean that it's the same mm. right like we can get in this globalized society we can get like turmeric from wherever we are like you can get turmeric in iceland but it's oh, not wow. necessarily going to be that good <laughs> like yeah. cuz it's like gone through so much processing like food has been a historically local thing and local like 
factor in human society for so long. Like you could, you would cook with whatever was around. Mm-hmm. And that's why like we don't have turmeric growing in the US. So like not many people know about turmeric. Um, so I think that's like a big factor in it. But um, I, and I do want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier about how you've been kind of transforming foods that you grew up with to be like healthier, but also foods that you're cooking now to be like, to include flavors that remind you of how you grew up and your home. And I think that's a really good example of something I talked about in my food episode at the end about how we are a part of this food story of society and that food and uh, cuisine is changing with us. Mm. And when we're intentional about like trying out flavors and seeing what works and what doesn't, like that's how, that's how recipes have been created. That's how food has evolved. Mm. And like now in this globalized society, we're going to start doing that too. We're going to be mixing like flavors that like maybe no one ever thought of like mixing before, but when you do it right and you respect where they came from and like are intentional about like putting these things together, you can make, that's how you make excellent dishes. And that's how you get like, like fusion food, I think is in, is a really good example of food evolving in globalism. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen a lot of fusion foods like there's Indo-Chinese. There's yeah. Indo-Pakistanis and like all yeah. the European and Indian fusion. I think people are just trying to experiment and like find yeah. what what is good and what will attract. Again, this goes back to the whole concept of like getting more people, like getting the taste palette directive to their uh, like what new thing they want in food. Because again, like people get bored easily. It's like human tendency to get bored. So yeah. they definitely want to explore and add more flavors to it but again at the end of the day you should be the judge of what makes sense for your body not like the other person who is creating this yeah i i think like novelty is one part of it of people getting bored with food but there are plenty of people who enjoy eating the same things there because some people I do it huh? oh yeah i do it too like food like food is more than just novelty there's a lot of comfort that comes in food because like it remind like some flavors remind you of home and remind you of childhood Mm. And like, that is the, one of the most grounding things that we have. So, um, I think it's, and that's another great reason to be mindful about food because it can really serve as a foundation for you. Mm. Um, and I think that's a reason why like these fusions have been so successful because it's, it reflects the merging of cultures Mm. and like when you merge cultures you get new foods and that food applies to both cultures because or appeals to both cultures because you're like oh these are flavors i'm familiar with but like with a new take Mm. and then it evolves from that and like who knows maybe in 50 years we get like new foods that like we never even thought of like i don't know curry frog legs or something like that which actually sounds delicious maybe in 50 years we don't need to eat food we have a pill for everything i hope not i (laughs) hope not if we get to that then capitalism has won and uh, (laughs) i literally feel sometimes like after some time people may not need to eat food or maybe it's just some kind of pill which will just give you a flavor is that something you want though I mean, I personally won't want because I appreciate the the effort and everything right. that goes with that. And and food is not just like food. It's 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 a sense of belonging because there are a yeah. lot of things involved. There are people involved. Then there's love. There are emotion involved in making food. So I don't want all of those to be stripped away from food and just be like simple food. But you never know, like where the world is gonna go. I'm I'm sure someone is going to. I mean, there are already products out there like Soylent where you can get like. We'll, we'll ship you like 
this uh yeah, this, this shake meal, meal this meal shake thing. and yeah and it'll have everything for you but i don't think that's i hope that doesn't ha- isn't what where we go but it could be it could be if like you know capitalism has its way and like it's a race to the bottom of like trying to increase the profits while reducing the cost of like making these things but mm-hmm. I have faith in the soul of humanity to want food at the very least to want textures because like you want to put something in your I mouth. I think the challenge nice here is like uh, people, the lifestyle has been changing a lot. So people are getting busy. They need something which is quick and dirty, quick and cheap. Right. And these things are letting people to get into like, okay, a meal replacement sake. It has every nutrients. And it's in, in a very concise manner. Are, are you saying that like people have never been busy? Like before, before now, like, like a hundred years ago, people were busy, right? Like people were doing things, right? Like you're attending to the, if you're an, a farmer, you're attending to your like plot of land. Like that's a huge endeavor. I think the idea of like what business means have changed. Like people are more distracted these days. Like they have lots of things to cater their attentions to. Yeah. And in that sense, they forget about the importance of food. So in that case, they, they don't realize that okay i need to have like a full balanced meal with like full texture and everything and it's okay to just have a like a bottle of liquid which will just replace me because that will only take them like five minutes or ten minutes because they can just buy it and they can just drink it while if you make a bread or if you make like a big salad or uh, like have to grill something like it's 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 gonna take more time so it depends on like what your priorities in your life are and i I think over time the priorities have shifted to other materialistic thing than food. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree that we have moved away toward from like like respecting food and like really having to put effort into food. Um and that's why I highly recommend everyone in my life and everyone listening just like try cooking something. If you haven't really cooked much before, start something start with something simple and work your way from there. Um I would say try cooking for someone else. Ooh, I love that idea. Because yeah. I, I've heard that when you, and this, this, this is from my personal experience, when there is someone else you have to like make happy or like make fulfilled, it gives you more pleasure and more, more like drive to do that. So yeah, no, I, okay. Yes. I like that idea. Do that. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's very fascinating when you, when you have like a, com- and this is one piece of food, food is like a community thing. It's not just personal thing. So when you eat food, enjoy it with other people mm-hmm. and it brings people on the table, like it brings food, people together, it brings people together. So it's like a very yeah. central piece of human history. So that's where I, I would still encourage people to like think in a emotional way and not just like as a caloric way as you, as yeah. you earlier said. Yeah, I love that. Yes. So if you want to be more mindful toward food, cook for someone you care about. And when you're eating, just like chat, chat. Don't put on music. Don't put on a show. No just phones. like no phone. Just like look at it, like eat, have to have to pass things around, you know, like yeah. chat about like get to know your get to know your uh, your dining mate a little bit better. I know. I know. That's why like these Thanksgivings and Christmas holidays are the best times where you can take time out of your busy schedule where you don't drink your meal replacement sakes and just go about and make food together and then just sit on the table and chat and just make connections. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the holidays, but it doesn't have to be just for holidays. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. yeah. So have, an, have a little date night with a loved one and like just cook for some, cook with them. Ooh, cook with them is even more fun because then you're both part of the cooking process. And I like that's, I mean, that's just a really fun time. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have to do all the work. And so cooking classes. Cool. Like cooking they, classes, yeah. They are a good hobby. Like I have my friend who goes to cooking classes and he teaches me what he learns. Like, And I once went and made a truffle actually. So Ooh. when I went there, like I did not know like how much effort it takes to make a truffle. Yeah. Because when you go out in grocery stores or in these fancy chocolate stores, they just, you just see that, oh, it's made and it tastes good. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain temperature involved. There is like... Uh, fine art in making that you have to pick the the truffle bowls at a certain temperature otherwise it will fall off oh. so these things just give you more um, respect towards like these foods that okay this much effort has went into this food so i should eat it more mindfully and not just like waste it off so yeah if you start cooking you'll also realize the importance of these food and uh, why not to waste it so that that could be another way to solve the problem of food waste no that's a that's a really good point i know i have like i've been baking uh breads a lot lately and it's really been giving me an appreciation for like the the process of baking and like all of the like all the things that go into it and like when i see bakeries i'm like i understand the pain and i uh, understand the like the effort and like the love that goes into it mm-hmm. and yeah like the chocolate one is a really great example like in america we don't really see where our chocolate comes from it, it's sold to us in like these wrapped up bars mm-hmm. but when you like go and you actually try to work with chocolate you really get to see like how complicated this whole process is and we're not even talking about like the cacao from like the tr- the tree and like that that part of the process um so yeah just it if the more mindful you are of how food got to your plate the more you appreciate it and the tastier it gets yeah even the tastes are changed. like you told about cacao like cacao is in itself is very bitter like it doesn't have any sugar yeah so if you if you if you just but it has a different palate taste to it so you if you just taste it in that way uh, the dark chocolates like I personally love dark chocolate. The same. Uh, so there's no like sugar and processing involved. So if well, you... Well, less sugar less and processing. Less sugar, yeah. <laughs> like, um, there's still a little bit. There's a little bit of sugar. But what I'm trying to say is like, as you get closer to the source, like making food and not adding a lot of preservatives to it, you get to enjoy the real food, like the real nature of the food. Like how, how does it taste naturally rather than like adding all these preservatives sugar and salt and all these tasty foods which be, which are basically a way to like get your attract attraction to that food rather than like making you healthier or making you respect that food yeah i love that all right so we've been going in for about an hour and we did not talk about the original topic we had but i think this has been 
like a really fabulous conversation. Yeah, I've really liked time, this. But I think food yeah. is an important piece of your life. Food is such an important piece of your life. And like, you know, we, we all probably had a meal today. We're probably going to have another meal uh, later today. I did not have a meal. I, I'm still on my intermittent fasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether, whether or not you had a meal, you'll probably eat within the next week. Yeah. Uh, and you too, dear listener, may also eat. So like this is like some of these like remina- ruminations are like valuable to all of us. And like even I sometimes need to be reminded of my journey of like being mindful with food. So I hope that you, dear listener, also maybe got a little inspiration through this conversation. And um, Sumit, would you like to is there anything you'd like to say to conclude? Yeah, I think uh enjoy your food like the next time you sit with the food just just close all your senses like accept accept your palate and then just realize like how does it feel like when you eat that food like it could be any food it could be processed it could be unprocessed it doesn't matter but setting up that relationship with food it really starts with like accepting that uh, like close your senses you don't look um, like smelling is one other sense you can do but smell and taste words just feel like how it feel makes you feel uh, is it does it make you feel better does it make you feel less satisfying more satisfying and then start from there and go ahead with like which food makes you feel well and just get into the habit of making these mindful relationship with food that's beautiful i love that well, thank you so much for listening and thank you, Sumit, for this lovely thank conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. And um, for you all listening, that's all for today. Embrace your chaos with kindness. Thank you. Thank you.